Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Other host. (laughs) The hostest with the mostest. We are back with what we think uh, will be a fantastic journey down uh, the long road of uh, favorite things funny. And to help us with this, we have invited the fantastic Jared Thompson from the Comedy Attic here in Bloomington, Indiana. Hello. How's it going, everybody? Now, if anybody knows comedy, it's this guy. This guy has managed to bring in some of the most fantastic talent into Bloomington to perform for, uh, for, for the people of this fine city and, uh, has managed to, uh, put an array, an impressive array together. I know we talked about it before, but, uh, uh, I think we'll have a a nice, um, nice juxtaposition of tastes. I'd like to see what, I like to see what industry insiders think about some of the comedians and, and things like that. So I think this should be fun. I hope so. So, Mr. Richard, what did you do in narrowing down your list? Anything? Just kind of. Well, okay. So, my list in terms of, and we had this discussion uh, briefly, uh, was in terms of comedians or comics. Like there, there's a, there's actually there's a there's a different definition there. So I say comedians, and comedians are people that make us laugh, write things that make us laugh, do things to, that make us laugh in a, in a certain sense. So my list won't be, I, I think, one, mine's a little bit more, let's say, mainstream commercialized, not not very behind the scenes type stuff, because I'm just not exposed to a lot of those comedians like other, like you guys would be. I haven't dug into those comedians like you guys would be. So my list is going to be pretty boring except for the fact that it won't be straight what you'd see like a stand in front of a stage and have an act that they put together um i i feel like mine will be more of other things as well with some people that actually do stand in front of a stage and tell a story so um excellent not not that i'm cheating on my list but it's uh i'm cheating on (laughs) <laughs> now I try to be a little stricter. Uh, in order to be on the list, it you have to actually have a stand-up act of some kind. Um, all living people will do a will do a, a list of those no longer with us at some point. But I have to have actually seen the performance and um, you know remember it. Uh, unfortunately, I had to take some people off the list because I I knew I'd seen them, but they didn't make enough of an impression that I remembered their act at all. Um, but, uh, so I tried to keep it kind of in that vein, uh, with mine. Did you put any constraints on yours, Jared? Well, I, I, I did, but not necessarily just for the purposes of this list. Like I, well, I should say, first of all, my list is only of stand-up comedians. Um, as far as comic actors go, I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus would be someone that would probably be on my list if I if I were making a list of non-stand-ups. Um, you know, she's been on, in my opinion, the two best co- comedies of all time. So, yeah. Um, but I guess what I mean by that I didn't really change anything for this list is because I basically find, you know, club comedians, people that would per- perform in a venue su- such as mine to, you know, to be the most viable stand-ups out there. I mean, once you rise to, to the level of a 
Chris Rock or Amy Schumer or Chappelle, uh, you know, you kind of have to just by rule, your jokes are going to be a little bit more broad maybe than they would have been when you were a club comic. Like for instance, Schumer was at the club a few times. And of course her act has changed quite a bit since then. She was a much rawer and edgier comic when she was coming up. And when you're, you know, when you're doing a show at Madison Square Garden, you can't necessarily be, you know, you have to have kind of a broad, you know, view. Yeah. So these are all going to be comics who not only, uh, who not only have been to the club, I think all 10 of mine are people that have recently been or will or would recently or would come still. I also just in fairness, I have just in case anyone that I know listens to this, I do have like an honorable mentions list as well, just because there's kind of too many, uh, you know, I probably would have been more comfortable with 25, but we don't have six hours. (laughs) Yeah. I ran that same problem. (laughs) Yeah. So, so with that, uh, with that little caveat that just because you may not be in the top 10 doesn't mean we don't absolutely love your work. Um, Let's start with your number 10. What's your, what's your 10th spot? Well, so I sort of, forgetting how this podcast went last time when we did favorite sports movies, I wasn't thinking that we did this in order like you're doing. Um, Meaning that we all go, go around and we give ours, but actually my number 10 is a comedian that actually grew up in Bloomington and came up through our club and has gone on to have a half hour special on comedy central. Uh, He actually was on Conan and we found out, I think Tuesday, this would have been five years ago now, four years ago anyway, we found out on like a Tuesday that he was going to be on on Wednesday. And I bought my plane t- ticket into Burbank and was able to go to Conan. Uh, his name is Tom T- Takar. Oh, nice. And one of, the things that you'll, one of the things that you'll sort of see in my list is, and this sort of goes for the b- booking process of the club as well, is that I'm looking for people who are the best at what they do. And so if what you'll see sort of is like a running theme through my list is that more than likely there's no one else that can do what this person is doing on stage. And so I value that so much higher than, you know, than, than anything else. Like obviously the goal is, is that I book the funniest people that I can find, but there's also a part of it is that if you, if this person can't be replaced, Hmm. um, that counts for a lot to me. And one of the things that Tom is able to do, and I mean, you have to uh, understand I have, he's like my son. So I have been through a lot with him and not only would I say through the good, he was at one point I had, I told him he should probably quit. And um, that's sort of like a inside baseball, like a famous story that people tell in the Bloomington comedy scene. But one of the things that Tom can do that very few people can do, and you would think that once you get to a certain level, this would be something that they all can do, but I haven't seen him bomb in probably nine years. Hmm. That's impressive. Figures out a way every single show to just sort of take the pulse of the room and figure out 
how to tell the jokes that he's going to tell. Like a lot of people will sometimes change their material based on the, the type of crowd or what's going on in the room. He doesn't do that. He just figures out how to tell the jokes. And so, yes, there's probably a little bit of Bloomington bias here, but I honestly will tell you that there's only a handful of comedians that will get me out of my seat and standing and watching them. And Tom is on that list. So I guess just to make this easy, so every time I'm going to name an honorable mention, but I won't go into anything about them, but my honorable men- mention is Andy Kindler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Very nice. What about you, Mr. Geiger? Okay, so like I said, my mine are more, they're, they're, ver- they're very, very commercialized, not very specialized or low-key. Um, boring in a sense. But one thing I, I did want to make sure that I included in a lot of the folks on my list was that not only did they, were they comedians, I, I felt like most of them actually do have, have had some type of stand up, almost all of them, I think actually, but they write mm. and they do, they write a lot of things. So they provide comedy not only from mm. themselves, but for other people too. So this first one, like I said, this is a, this is a cop out. This is a really bad one, but I like childish toilet humor. So um, uh, Adam Sandler is what I've got on my list here. Uh, a lot of I, I feel like a lot of folks, maybe my age, love Adam Sandler, but there's a lot of people that don't, and I don't know why. Uh, I just don't. I don't understand that. Uh, but not only did he come up, I feel like doing his his act but he writes a lot of his movies now so it's not that he just he just acts but he you know he did Saturday Night Live he did all these things where he kind of came up and was able to perform and be funny and he's funny to me so that's why he's on that's why he's on my list at least that makes sense I mean there's nothing wrong with broad appeal I mean that's that's as uh, as valid of uh, of a reason to engage as anything else. I mean, uh, I talk about this in in gaming all the time. A lot of people make jokes uh, uh, about certain board games, like uh, the Big Bang Theory made uh, made uh, Sellers of Catan kind of a thing for a little while. And I've always considered that to be a gateway game. It's very simplistic. It's almost completely locked. There's not a lot of strategy to it. But it's a great way to be introduced into the genre. And I, I feel that way about him. It it's, it's, can sometimes be a great way to be introduced and then find your way to even more stuff that you like. Um, now, my number 10 uh, can sometimes be considered a bit of a polarizing individual, depending upon who, who you speak to. But uh, a key thing is I, uh, to hit my top 10, I, I have to have cried laughing off of something that you've written at some point and he definitely achieved this and for me that's uh number 10 is jim jeffries um he has had a couple really excellent uh stand-up specials uh between uh, freedom that was uh, out not too long ago his bit in that on gun control is just spot on it is it is hilarious uh he has um uh, a newer stand-up than that uh, this is me now he has some great stories in that, uh, especially the story about his uh, doing a private gig for Mariah Carey is fantastic, and he's got just this kind of um, this kind of delivery that uh, it, he almost looks surprised when he's doing it, and it's, it's just kind of a, a fun, a kind of a fun flavor twist 
that I like and, and how he puts together his material. I feel like this is going to turn into like, we're doing a top 10 albums and I'm sitting here talking about like private press records <laughs> that only had like 200 copies made. And you guys are going like, how about the Beatles revolver? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I feel like I'm looking at my list. I'm like, they may not know any one of these people. That's why you're, but, he- that's why you're here, man. Uh, so my okay, number that, nine, that's the thing too, is we can, we can learn these names. Yeah. 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 No, and everybody I, listening. Yeah. I know. It's just, I mean, I, I get it that, you know, you have to understand part of, part of being, you know, a comedy club owner who goes to every show, uh, there is going to be uh, a level and sort of like beauty. Maybe there is like a level of like being jaded in this. And so, um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time watching, you know, stand up specials for people that don't come come to the club so obviously i know who jim Je- jeffries is and i know that he's like a you know he'll do big theaters or whatever but anyway so my number nine is uh J- janelle james she's a comedian in new york city who came up through sh- chicago um she started out coming to the comedy attic and then in fact i think the first time that she ever came to bloomington she she made it into limestone and she made, you know, she did Limestone a couple times and then actually she headlined at Limestone and now she comes and he- headlines a club and she's been a writer for a bunch of different stuff. But one of the things that I really like about J- Janelle is that there's something about um, a, you know, a powerful black woman on a comedy stage who just doesn't give a fuck about what she's saying and but it also isn't like and i don't mean this that this is what most like powerful black female comics are doing but she's not really like hurting anyone's feelings like it's it's really hard to explain it's like most of the time when you see someone who's overpowering on stage they're uh, they're yelling because either a it's it's a touchy subject and they're trying to sort of you know, maybe ram their way through it or on the other side of the coin there, you know, it, there, there's just something about not giving a shit what the audience thinks, but also not offending the audience broadly. Like, and Janelle is someone who I just really value sort of her space in, in the comedy world. Um, she's someone who I think could very well rise to being like a theater act who Mm -hmm. has a big uh, audience. And, um, she's someone who I've gotten to, to know, and and I think she's a great person as as well. So that's my number nine. So my, my, um, my honorable mention, uh, is, uh, Henry Phillips, who's a good guitar comic who actually he's done a few things that people might know. He's been in a, in a couple of Mike judge things, um, one of the things that I really look for, and I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the honorable mentions, but one of the things that really a- attracts me to Henry is that a lot of times when you have someone like a Sam Kit Kinison is a great example mm-hmm. who screams in an audience, or you get someone that plays gu- guitar or wh- who does some something, if they talk really slow, like a, you know, there's a lot of comics who are, who are like, they, they talk really slow and it's funny you'd be, you know, just be because it's slow. Mm-hmm. 
if you take away Henry's gu- guitar, the jokes are still great. Yeah. That's the thing about it is that like, if you take away sort of the impediment or whatever you want to call it of a comic that uses something other than just standing in front of a microphone and telling jokes in their regular voice at a regular cadence, typically speaking, you strip that fr- from them and it's not as good. You know, Stephen Wright is an example of somebody who the jokes are still good, even if he wasn't talking slowly. Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of comics who are like that, who, if you strip it away, it's not, it just isn't great. Yeah. So anyway. That's two great choices. What, Thank you. What is your number nine, Mr. Geiger? All right. So once again, we'll continue with the large audience <laughs> and we'll go with the, the SNL crowd as well. Um, uh, continue with that trend. A few, few more on my list, uh, is Chris Rock. Uh, I think Chris Rock is very funny. Um, he, he gained his popularity, right, by, I feel like, movies, but he's got big stand-up specials that he's done in the past. But once again, he he's a good writer, too. And I, I, I think that adds to the appreciation of why he's funny in, in a certain sense. Now, he's not, like I said, I, I like the childish toilet humor and that's not him that is not his style of humor um his is more i don't know more direct but he's got that like the way he paces back and forth on on stage and he's got his his inflection in his voice where he emphasizes like his whole routine i think is just amusing to me how he presents himself but then of course his movies, in, in in a sense, aren't really. I'm sorry, his movies really aren't all that funny. But his stand-up's funny, <laughs> and his presentation on a lot of things. Funny. I've actually got his a quick, I've got a quick Chris Rock story for you. So, uh, I was uh, Hannibal Burris was at the club. He's actually on my honorable mentions list, so I'll just not say talk, talk about him later. But he was at, at the club. I was standing up, getting ready to go do go do something. I hear a phone ringing, and I and I. It just one of those things that like you see a phone ringing, you just look at it and his phone is ringing while he's on stage and it's Chris Rock. So it was actually the Saturday before the Oscars, uh, the last time that he hosted and uh, he got off. St- uh, Hannibal gets off stage and he may have called him back while I wasn't in the room, but later on they were texting and I brought it up. I was like, that was crazy to see Chris Rock's name on your phone that he was trying to call you during the show. And he told me what they were talking about. They were punching up his Oscar jokes. Like it's just a a crazy sort of inside baseball type of a thing that happened at the club that, you know, even the day before the Oscars, he's still working. I mean, that's how hard of a worker that Chris Rock is in comedy, like known for having like, work ethic is and he is the one comic that would play an amphitheater that that could have been on my list Mm. because he has figured out a way to remain kind of relevant now i say that Chappelle's most recent special obviously if anyone if anyone out there has seen it 846 um, his where where he yeah that's something special but before that I, he had he had kind of got, gone off my radar a little bit. He had kind of gone a little bit too far right. I know that sounds crazy, but just 
you know, one of the other things that you'll see in my list is that I don't, I don't like, I don't try to book and I don't would never praise someone who is like a hurtful comedian. It's just not something that appeals to me. I don't, and not to throw you under the bus about, about Jim Jeffries, but he's, he can be that way. Yeah, he can. And so I, it just doesn't appeal to me. It's, it's something like I like, and you'll see in my list, I like people that can make a joke where you fall out of your chair about a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And that's just the type of comedy that I'm attracted to. So anyway, so sorry. <laughs> that's Hey, that's what this is all about, this dialogue. Uh, well, I saw Chris Rock's most recent special, and it, it, it felt like he lost a step just a little bit. Uh, it maybe wasn't quite yeah. as sharp as some of his older material, but still seeing him back in action was just kind of special. You know, a, another thing just to sort of, that you may not get if you if you had just a person who likes comedy on here. A lot of the time when you see that, when you see a special, and Ch- Chappelle did, what, two or three at a time, at one time. So this is a lot of specials that are on the higher streaming pl- platforms are rushed. Mm-hmm. You know, And I know that just, and I don't, I don't want to mention names, but just talking to some of the comedians that have taken the paycheck and they're like, this has to be done in three months. And they're like, well, my jokes aren't ready. And they're like, we don't care. So it's like, that has happened a lot. And so I would wonder if that happened to Chris Rock. Now, having said that, he's at the Comedy Cellar all the time. Like he's always get, getting up and and so he's working. It's maybe done too quickly. Yeah. All right. So my number nine is maybe, uh, maybe the most up and coming uh, on my top 10 list. Uh, it's not like he's he's brand new out of the gate or anything, but is probably the newest of the group that I have. Um, also somebody that can be a, a little dark, as evidenced by the name of uh, his specials that are on uh, Netflix, and that would be Daniel Sloss. Um, he is... Uh, he just has kind of an interesting uh, delivery of how he does it. I like, I, I like comedians that can tell a story in, um, in kind of almost um, a campfire sort of a way. And while a lot of his jokes are still kind of standard, you know, stand-up comedy stuff, he does have some great, some great, um, some great storytelling, some, some callbacks and some, some setup for later payoffs that the story about his sister and the first of the two specials is just, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. But, uh, his, um, his portrayal of relationships as a jigsaw puzzle is brilliant in, in the second special. It's just really fantastic the way that he went about that. Shout out to Susan Hingle that works at the comedy attic. That's one of her favorite comics. I, I don't know. I, she just, she, she t- talks about him all the time and I have no idea who he is, but yeah, I just know that she liked him. Watch, watch his dark specials. I think considering your vein of comedy, you, you might get a kick out of it. Um, yeah. uh, I, uh, we tried to uh, get him on the show. I have not been successful yet, but you know, never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, is he from England? He's, he's British? Scott, Scottish, I, I do believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that, yeah. Um, I'm going to, just based on what you said, I'm going to actually move mine around a hair here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and do Stuart Huff here. Uh, Stuart uh. Huff is actually, it's one of the most interesting people in comedy. And he's actually at the clock. So we're doing a thing 
this J- July. So the next three weeks, including this weekend. Um, and I don't know when this will co- come out. So it may have already passed, but next we're, we're doing a, what's called, what, what's called Bloom, uh, Stuart Huff Bloomington re- residency. And we're sort of giving him the space to sort of work out and flesh out the jokes that he will then re- record in January for his special. He always re- records his albums here. Nice. One of the really cool things about it that we're doing is, is that we're going to record the shows and he's going to sell his album as a pre-order and sort of get what we're going to call the bootleg versions of those jokes now. And then you also get the album later. It was an idea that I had during the quarantine that I really liked. And, one of the things that's really crazy about Stuart is he is, pro- he is, I don't know how much you guys know about music. I'm assuming you guys, but um, two of my favorite, uh, you know, seventies artists are Nick, Nick Drake and Ro- Rodriguez. And they're both singers that were never given the sort of due. They were never given credit or their due when they were at their height and of course with in Nick Drake's in Nick Drake's case he died yeah. and then in 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 Rodriguez's case he just sort of faded you know he just faded out and he's actually still with us and he's he's touring now but my point is is that like as a co- collective group we don't know Stuart Huff and we don't know what we're missing mm. and when you talk about a storyteller, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And the two examples I want to give is there used to be a comic who's now passed on named T- Tim Wilson. And he yeah. was like a Southern comic who we actually worked with quite a bit be- before he died. And they had the same manager. So Stuart ended up opening for Tim at least one, if not two of the times that he came to Bloomington to paint you the picture of who's in the audience at a Tim Wilson concert. It's, I mean, there's a lot of like cowboy hats and belt buckles and this was kind of the pre Trump era, but those are them. That's who's there. And, and to have Stuart Huff go on stage and not only look, talk and sort of everything about him seems like he'd be one of them. And he has a Southern accent and then he does a joke. And I am not kidding when I say this, the first weekend that he was here with Tim, he did one joke and he, it's about a kid who steals a penguin from the zoo. And that's the whole, his entire set is that one story <laughs> about a kid who steals a penguin. And so if you, you can understand that like, the comedy co- community of Bloomington has just fallen head over heels in love with this guy dating back to before we were open, he was going to bears and just a, uh, just a, a magnificent person. Uh, one of his specials he recorded at the club and this is, it was real. I mean, he like openly cried at the end of his set and it, because of how powerful that it was. And it just, it really is, something that kind of blurs the lines between um, just sort of a per- performance and st- stand up because he's very funny, but there can be moments where, you know, one of the reasons that he loves Bl- Bloomington is it will allow for silence in shows. And that's extremely hard to find, especially with the venues that he's normally playing. He's normally playing bars that or like comedy clubs that have, that have a Z at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bunch of dumb, crowds that don't allow for silence and so that's why he records his album here 
Um, okay, and then my honorable mention is Greg Warren. Oh, he's fantastic. Okay. What's your number eight, Mr. Geiger? Um, so this one may seem a little very commercial, but maybe non-traditional. Uh, I've got David Letterman. Um, I thought David, once again, I'll go back to writing as well. So he was his, his little short monologue before his show, for example, wasn't necessarily written by him. He had a group of people that came together, but, um, to, to write and like, but he always had, he always had that presence. And in terms of comedy, I always thought he was, he was an innovator in a sense that he was, he had this platform to, to do things that he did that no one else before him did in terms of just like the silliness, right? You know, David Letterman's just, you know, there's a couple people, um, a good old Indiana boy, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's, he's got a, he, to my, in my opinion, he's kind of got that down to, down to earth kind of feel to him, but he's also not in a sense, not very approachable. He, he is, he's not a very social person, right? Like he's a very introverted type of person and for him to be the, the com the type of comedy person that he is kind of goes against the grain, the nature of the type of person that he actually is when he's not in front of people or in front of a camera. And you kind of got to see him grow up if you watch late night television at all. And when I, when you don't have cable, like I did when I was younger, you had Saturday night live hence the list and you had late night, you know, television, uh, after the news, of course he was originally, uh, after Carson. Right. So he had this, he had this, I don't know, like, like I said, just this silliness that not everyone got and that not everyone understood. But I thought, to, to me, uh, it just resonated with me more so than what it did, I think, with other people. Although he's immensely popular and very rich. So somebody must have. <laughs> A few people at least, right? <laughs> yeah, one or two. Yeah, uh, yeah no, he, he definitely made an impact. Um, now, some of the impact that I look at is it, it's always kind of a personal thing, right? So I look back to my college days. So for my number eight, this was one of the first comedians that kind of opened my eyes to how a comedian could perform differently and and not be kind of that same same packaged thing. And for me, that uh, number eight is Mark Maron. Uh, he was back at the uh, on Comedy Central. He had. Uh, a couple of different shows and I saw, I, I was lucky enough to see him live a couple times and um, his most recent specials that you can catch like uh, Thinky Pain and End Times, they, they are interesting in the sense that um, the way he presents his humor, it feels more like, it's, it's not like he's speaking at you. It's like he's trying to engage in a conversation. Even though you're not saying anything in the crowd, it's, it's almost like uh, you're sitting with your, your uncle, if he were that funny. <laughs> it's kind of that, that sort of thing, having a conversation about life and what it means. And he always kind of hit me and was just, just hilarious in my mind. Have you seen him at the Comedy Attic? I have not. He's been here. I think he's been here, I think it's eight times. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to, sorry to, uh, to, <laughs> I, I, and I mean, he'll be back as he'll be back. He, he not only loves the club, but he loves the town. Like Landlock Music's his favorite record store. I mean, he talks about it on the podcast all, all the time. He'll bring up myself, he'll bring up the club, and he'll bring up Landlock just out of nowhere a lot of the time. Yeah, he's, he's um, fantastic. So my number seven is uh, uh, Rory Scoville, who is, if people are listening, and a lot, of, again, a lot of people might not know who some of these folks are, but he actually was in... Um, uh, I feel pretty. The a- Amy Schumer movie. He was um, her her boyfriend, and he's he has. I think he actually has a show right now, like that he cr- created and stars in. And I think it's on Co- Comedy Central. I just haven't seen it yet. But Rory's a guy who, as a younger comic, when he first started coming to Bloomington in, I mean, it would have been ten years ago or nine, eight, eight you know, eight nine year- years ago now. You know, he wasn't a draw. And so there could be, say, 30, 40 people in the crowd. And he would open sometimes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes half an hour with, in like a Southern accent. And then you're just sitting there watching the show. And like, I can see people like, they don't know that he's not Southern. Like, they don't know. And so then he'll just break out of it after like, however many minutes. And... He'll just be like, what if that was really my voice? And they'll be like, well, why, how would we know that it's not? So it's, it's actually really interesting. It's like a few years ago, um, T- Tiffany Haddish was at the club and she actually was here after Girls Trip was released, which was, we were the only club to have her in that time frame. But something that really struck me while she was there was, it was like, you could tell that she prefers doing comedy in clubs because usually when we get like John Mulaney or, or Marin or someone like that, who you can tell, like they spend a lot of their time on b- bigger stages. Mike, Bur- Mike Burbiglia is another example. You can kind of tell that they prefer the clubs, but that their act is kind of de- designed to be bigger. Well, I think Rory, if you were to see him, and I've never seen him in a big venue, but I feel like he would be the exact opposite of that. And what I mean by that is, is that, he loves the intimacy where he'll like follow someone into the bathroom. <laughs> like there's just something about the way that his, just his comedy prowess. It's also really interesting. It reminds me of, of, of something t- talking about Rory is it's weird when you get a comedian who's that gifted and he probably is as gifted of a person that's alive right now in understanding co- comedy. But like he has bad taste in music. It's such a weird <laughs> thing for me. Like, how can you be that smart and understand everything in comedy, frontwards and backwards? But you listen to Tool. It's like, I'm sorry if you guys like Tool, but I'm a huge Tool it's just fan. Kind of like a weird, outdated band. <laughs> it's kind of a weird, outdated band to really like. I guess what I'm saying is, people who have the the highest level of opinion of comedy like they understand like neil hamburger or someone like that that's like super like you have to get it they would probably listen to like you know very technical i don't know it's hard to explain i guess tool is technical so i I think i know what you mean my honorable mention here i'm actually his best friend in comedy is john Doerr, and Uh. they are very similarly positioned in 
they would follow someone into the bathroom. They have a very similar sort of outlook on comedy and two of the funniest and nicest people that, that I know. Yeah. Dora's great. How yeah. about you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Geiger? Okay. So this is probably the, maybe the cringiest selection on my list, but I don't care uh, because he's funny to me. Um, uh, and I know you love Canadians. So uh, I've got Mike, I got Mike Myers on here. Uh, Wait, but why is that cringy? I thought you were yeah. going to say like D- Dice Clay or something. He's the bottom of my list. <laughs> oh, he's on, he's on, okay. So like, I, I don't know. So, when you look at Mike 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 Myers' body of work, you think of the things that he's done on Saturday Night Live. You think of the things on the movies that he's done. Um, uh, one of my, if you want to say like movie-wise, one of his worst movies was The Love Guru. Is what people say. That's like one of his worst or the worst movie. I think that movie is hilarious, and it cracks me up every single time I watch it. Uh, that movie can be, I see why people don't like it. I get it. Uh, but if that's the worst that he can do, then <laughs> it's still pretty impressive. Me, it's yeah, he's pretty good. And, and it goes back to that, that silly and, and his, his isn't, his is toilet humor. Right. But like sometimes, sometimes, right. You, you see it. I guess you see a lot in that one. It's just all the little impressions and he's got the, he's got the voice and he bases a lot of that stuff, obviously off of his, his, uh, his family because where his family is originally from, but he bases a lot of those characters off of his previous experiences. He's got the physical comedy aspect of it. He's got the, the voice acting, he's got the presentation, but he writes like all these movies are, are things that he is a writer on. And that's what I, like I said, all these people that I have on this list, maybe, TV or movie people, but they're all writers for their TV and movies. They're not just actors. Like, I, I don't know. I think Mike Myers, to me, is just pretty much anything he's in, even if it's supposed to be a serious role. Because um, he was, uh, he he's had a in camo the, in a, a Bohemian Rhapsody biopic he was in. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those little things. It, it, he just cracks me up every time I see him, and whether he's trying to be funny or not. So um, that's more of the presentation aspect of it than the you know the writ but that's half the battle too so hey, i don't know i like my mind. it's what it's what connects with you that's what's important um yep. uh sometimes what connects with you is a lot of mine is, is is sometimes the the inner voice of rage that i i never actually let out a lot of times seeing the comedian that kind of voices that rage or that massive amount of sarcasm that that connects for me and that kind of resonates with my number seven choice uh, he gets in a bit of hot water fairly regularly, but his his material is undeniably funny to me. Um, that's uh, Ricky Gervais. Um, his humanity special uh, is his most current one, and he just kind of he just kind of uh, kind of like what you were talking about, Jared, with somebody that does not care what other people think. Now, unlike the, the individual you you were talking about he is definitely more on the attack uh, with a lot of with a lot of his material but uh, I just it's just something in the way that he delivers it uh, I it, part of my brain wants to go that's not nice and then the other part's like that's funny <laughs> I 
can't help but that. Why am I laughing at this? And he does it to me every time. I, I, just, I just can't help it. It's a big thumbs down from me, but that, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to go. So I'm on six, right? Because I went out of order. Yep. Yeah, you're good. So my number six is best selling. Um, she is Beth Stelling. I don't know if I, I, I sort of mumbled that a little bit, but so a really interesting story about Beth is that, so she also came up in the, uh, Chicago comedy scene. A lot of, a lot of these, these, these people did. And very similarly to Janelle, I came across Beth sort of before she was a name in comedy and she opened for uh, Janine Garofalo at the club. Oh, nice! And it was it was so. I've only ever been starstruck maybe four times at the club, and of course with Janine I was, and she was fantastic. It's she was she was really great, but you could tell right then and there that Beth was a better comic. She just was, and it was sort of palpable in the audience that when she got off stage, it was tough to follow. And it's so interesting to watch her because it's so effortless. There's something about a comedian who can c- command a room sort of under their breath. It's so hard. And and she's not a loud comic and she does a lot of like it's a lot of family stuff and it's it sometimes can can get very per- personal like she talked about um her rape uh on you know in in like one of her in one of her hours and it was it was hard and it and it created a visceral reaction from some people in the crowd and it was really hard and but it was what she needed to do to get past it and um she's my friend and also she's someone that i know that i can put in front of any audience at any time and she is just fantastic and one of the and just a real very quick story um my best friend actually is a comic who moved moved to la and um when she got out there she did a show with beth and they were walking in the rain and and her shoe had a hole in it and beth stopped at it they stopped at a shoe store and she bought Melinda a pair of shoes. Like, it's just like, that's awesome. When you've been around as many comedians as I have, it's stuff like that, that really kind of resonates with with you. And it can be very uncomfortable if that comic then sucks at comedy. So it's such a crazy thing that Beth is this much of a powerhouse. And because I mentioned uh, commanding the stage, I'm going to give my honorable mention here to Judy gold, Hmm. who, is again one of my one of my good friends in comedy and i always feel bad because i know i make her feel old but she was my first favorite comedian um and uh when i was a kid actually my three favorite comedians when i was a kid were paula poundstone judy gold and uh uh, kevin meany Mm -hmm. who's who's passed and um i have never seen i've seen nina simone in concert I've seen Paul McCartney. I've seen the Beach Boys with Brian Wilson. I've seen some of the best bands in the world. I've seen Radiohead, and I have never seen someone someone command a stage like like Judy Gold does. 
it is it's like why it's like watching a preacher who's like just at the top of their game so nice uh that's the beth is a new one for me i'll definitely have to check her out uh so far i've been keeping up She's with you it's like I, I know most of them but <laughs> yeah 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 all right mr mr geiger number six um so my selection for number six is uh i guess john stewart oh yeah um no i know him from other things and and he's done so my knowledge he's done stand-up um but he have evolved beyond that um i can say yes he has yeah and and it, and it was uh, good. <laughs> yes, yes, he has. Ding. Uh, but a, a lot of folks maybe know him from a few things. But you know, the Daily Show is one of the things that kind of brought him into a more noticeable crowd. And obviously, you can tell by his passion for a lot of things that he he cares a lot about thing uh, about himself and the people around him, and he's very smart. And he, he's got the drive to make other people successful around him as well. So it's not just, it's not just it, but he's funny too. I mean, that's, that's just it. It's that he's, there's, there's a lot of my comedians are silly, funny. They have to be smart to be the right type of silly, funny, but John Stewart is just smart. And he's the, to me, he's just kind of a different class of comedian in terms of the smart, funny. And, um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. That's it, about that. Uh, yeah, John Stewart. I've always liked him. I, I felt so bad that uh, for Craig Kilborn <laughs> to a certain because he wasn't bad yeah. on the Daily Show, but John Stewart was just so much better. Um, um, you know, I've never seen the Daily Show. How weird is that? I've never watched an episode. In any of, and I know Craig, you know, I used to watch Sports Sport Center, so I know Craig Kil- Kilborn. Oh, I still watch Sports Center. I used, I knew him from from that, but I've never seen it. And it's funny because I have a Daily Show comic that's on my in my top five here, and I still don't know it. But yeah, it's anyway. it, if you like the kind of the the kind of political humor, it, it generally does well. And I was I was concerned when Trevor Noah took over just because of how good John Stewart was, and there's really no reason to be concerned because Trevor Noah's done yeah. a great job so far. Um, uh, my number six, you actually have already kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, and uh, that is uh, Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a huge fan uh, of his of his work. He's got a lot of really big specials. Uh, the first one that I would ever suggest anybody watch really is probably my girlfriend's boyfriend, uh, which is just is just fabulous. I, it's hard to get past how good that is. But everything he's done from that point has just been so stellar. I mean, all of his stuff was good, but I mean the stuff that you're going to see on streaming services. Um, but the way that he is open on stage that he is vulnerable, I guess, uh, the way that comes across. It is, I don't know too many people that can do that, whether you're talking about a small crowd or a stadium. How can you be vulnerable in front of 40, 50,000 people? It's, it's just kind of, it amazes me. And he's just, he's incredibly likable and his stuff is really, really funny. I've, I've just always been a huge fan of his. He's one of the nicest people, and I agree. I, I 
definitely, um, I, I would second everything you said about the show. It is, you're on pins and needles. It's, it's, it's unbelievable because I, I don't know that I, I'm surprised by how much I like it because going into it, I wasn't sure if I would really take to it, but man, so one of the, so he's been to the club a couple times and he, he, like another thing that's just sort of crazy to think about that's true is he came to get ready for um, the most recent special that he did. Right. It's about his daughter uh, being born. The, the new I'm one. Blank on the title. Yeah. Right. The new one. And so he came in January of, I guess it was 18. And uh, in like May, I, he calls me which is very weird. That doesn't happen when you're at his level, but we did sort of bond pretty well when he came to the club and we're both parents and it was just one of those things. And he was like, look, I need to get in there July, whatever it was, the week before we start Broadway because you have the best audiences I've ever performed in front of. And he was just like, I need to just make sure that this stuff is ready. And there's a few things that are like on the chopping block. And so we were able to do it again. So like within six months, he came twice and it was just nice. fantastic. Tune in next week, Pudding People, for the conclusion of our top 10 comedians featuring Jared Thompson of The Comedy Attic. <laughs> <laughs>